everything that comes with that they face. That it's township. Um, they've got loads of kids that come, but there are no parents that come with them. And uh, I couldn't relate to that, but I could relate to... Um, they had come from a much bigger church. They'd come from a, a church that was where they had been w- way more obviously successful in ministry and God had brought them to this place and they had found him in a new way. And I, I could definitely uh, relate to that. I, I could relate when he talked about um, that God had spoken to him about, you know, the thing you need to do is worship. And he felt, I can, I can do that. Yeah, and um, I felt that I could relate to it because obviously I came from a, 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 like, a, a, like a big church. I was on the staff there. When I came here, um, it, it wasn't long before the youth group was made up of my two eldest daughters. They were the youth group. And, um, and uh, one of the ways that we kind of really tried to engage them in church was to get them to serve and various things. Um, and what we found when we came here was we, we, like me particularly, but Pauline and I and even our family, we, we kind of ended up discovering God in a different way, in a way that we hadn't experienced before. And, and I remember God said to me, God didn't say to me, um, worship, but he did say to me, he told me that I was to live right, that I was to live a life where I, I lived appropriately, uh, that I lived using the, right, the authority that he had given me as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, but to do that right and to live right before him. And that would be living right before him when no one was looking and living right before him when everyone was looking. And I felt he'd spoke that very clearly to me, that I was to live a, um, in a particular way. Um, and I also felt he'd, he said, he'd, God said to me, I don't want you to get caught up in human solutions in the church. Uh, I really felt that. I felt that quite strongly. And so that meant that I wasn't going to simply do things because that's the way you do them or I'd seen churches do things. And it meant taking a very different kind of path to the one I might have done um, when I came. And then the third thing that he said to me is, I want you to pray. I want you to pray. And so um, I've done that. I've tried to do that. And it's been great even these last few weeks as we've been gathering as a church to pray before the service and and uh, I just want to encourage you to get there if you can nine o'clock in the in the in the lounge of the schoolkeeper's house even if you're serving come for the first half an hour normally there's a dozen of us and then three quarters of them go to serve and a few people are left to pray Um, but it's been it's been great doing that and uh, I felt I could understand when Jeremy talked about God spoke to him very specifically and you remember Laura talked about finding not just not just going through struggles and coming out of struggles and finding God but finding God in the midst of the struggle and uh, I could relate to that I could relate to some of the things that they talked about and when we had decided to do this series on worship um, they weren't in my mind I hadn't thought about them I didn't know what they were going to bring um, but they were a real blessing to us in relation to worship and You'll know I talked last week a little bit about why we're doing this series. I was a few couple of months ago, I was with a group of pastors and and Terry Vogo was just talking about worship and he was talking about uh, the pursuit of the presence of God and and that really kind of gripped me and and I'll say a little more about that in a moment. What it has meant is that we are now running a series on worship. Uh, Next Sunday, 
We have um, Simon and Anna Braden. They're just coming to be with us. I think he's, he's predominantly coming to speak. I think they may lead worship. They haven't confirmed that. Um, but they're just coming to bring their deposit to us in relation to worship. And then in a few weeks' time, we've got Jake Isaac come in uh, to do the same thing. And then, so we've had Jeremy and Laura, we're going to have Simon and Anna, we're going to have Jake, and then some of us are going to be speaking into it. And for me, all of that is about us um, getting ourselves in a place where God can shift us in our understanding and so bring greater blessing to us. Because for all of us, we need to have our minds lifted when it comes to worship. And, and the way we're going to do that is um, we're going to do our Sundays ever so slightly differently. We're going to do a couple of songs up front. We're then going to speak and then we're going to have a longer time of worship um, at the end. And the thing that, and, and so that's what we'll be doing over the next few weeks and we'll be praying, we'll be worshipping and, uh, and believing that God's going to speak to us. And um, it was interesting last week, I wasn't going to mention this, but I think I will, whilst we were worshipping, um, Pauline was worshipping down here at the front, and uh, later that day she said, do you know what, during worship, God healed my neck. She'd had an issue with her neck for months, months and months, and she couldn't turn, and then just during worship, while she's praying and she's worshipping, the thing goes, and she kind of felt it. Yeah, yeah, it's true, isn't it? You said you felt it. Sorry? I did ask. Yeah, she, she, she asked. She asked, yeah? She asked. So... So if you've got something you want, just ask. Yeah, so we're all going, oh God, please do that to me. Yeah. Um, but, but there is a sense when you really come into the presence of God, all sorts of things can happen. And I don't want to say it has to be like this or it has to be like that, but I do want us to raise our expectation about what it means to come into the presence of God, what it means to worship. It's not just about tingly feelings or anything like that. There is something very tangible about what God does when we come to him. So... Um, yeah, so this morning I, I was very much, so the, the thing that really, I suppose, has gripped me is, is the idea of the presence of God. And I'm, I'm always, when I think about that, I'm always reminded of that, that very well-known passage in Exodus. And I'm just going to read um, some of it. Or there's a couple of them, but I want to read, uh, have I got the right one? As always, no. Um, but, but I'll just talk about it because I know it. It's in Exodus 33, and you can look it up, where that you've got this story in Exodus. The story of Exodus is really the story of the people of Israel that God chose, fulfilling a promise that he made to Abraham hundreds of years before, that, look, you're going to go into captivity, and then I'm going to bring you out. Yeah? So God says, I'm going to bring you out. He brings them out in, in, in amazing ways. That's where we get the plagues of Egypt and all of those things. He brings them out. He takes them to a place. And, and, and Moses goes up the mountain to receive the law. And while he's up the mountain receiving the law, the people down on the ground, and he's away for many, many days, the people down on the ground, they, they say to uh, uh, his brother Aaron, look, we don't know where Moses has gone. Um, can you, kind of, can you kind of build us an idol that we can worship? And so uh, sort of Aaron goes, oh, oh, okay then, and if you bring all your gold and all your bits and pieces and I'll throw it into this fire and we'll see what we can do. Anyway, they end up building the golden calf. Yeah. So remember, this is about worship. They build this golden calf and the people are... Um, Moses then later comes down the mountain and he hears the sound of singing and celebration. 
And it's the people, and they're celebrating, and they're worshipping this golden calf yeah, that they have built. And uh, God isn't pleased with them, as you can imagine. And one of the things that he says, uh, uh, you know, he says to them, that the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you, and drive out, and he names all these people, the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go to the land flowing with milk and honey. And you might have thought, if you heard that, wow, God is sending the people into the land flowing with milk and honey. He's going to bless them. Yeah, He hasn't removed any blessing. He's going to bless them. He's going to remove all those people from before them and he's going to send an angel. Now, it may be that you could think to yourself, wow, that's amazing. And the people may have thought to themselves, wow, that's amazing what God is going to do. Um, And you might have thought that if the verse didn't carry on. And it says this, but I will not go with you. So he's sending an angel. So so there's a supernatural presence that's going to go with them. And not only that, he is going to bless them. He's going to give them the land that he's promised them. He's going to drive out all the people before them. It's going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. The, The blessing's going to be there, but he won't. He won't. And I pause there because sometimes we can miss the fact that there is a big, big difference between the presence of God going with you and all the blessings that come and all the promises. Yeah, God can promise and bless and do all of that stuff, but he can still step back. I'm going to send an angel. I'm going to be there supernaturally. I'm going to be with you. But actually, I won't go with you. And he says, he says, why? I won't go with you. Why? Because you are a stiff-necked people. Yeah? And by stiff-necked, it's talking about you are stubborn. You are proud. You know, you, know, you hold your neck, you make it stiff. You, you can't bend it. You're like that. You're not bendable. Yeah? You hold yourself. You don't listen. And he says, I won't go with you, I might destroy you, and various other things. Um, uh, When the people heard these distressing words, yeah? So once they realised, oh, oh, it sounded really great that God was going to drive out the enemy, he's going to fulfil the promise, but then he talks about he's not going to go with us. Suddenly we realise, oh my goodness, the promises and the blessings are great, But without the presence, we're nothing. And you'll know, if you know the story later, I think it might be in the next chapter, when Moses sort of, he says to God, look, I know know there is a different people. I know they are. But don't send us if you're not going to come. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't make us go. And there is something about the presence of God, with the people of God. There is something about it. 
Yeah, Moses, he gets it. The people kind of get it. They kind of think, oh my goodness, what's going to happen if God isn't going to go with us? But they do things that cause God to go, no, I'm not going to go with you. Moses gets it. He says, don't, don't send us. Don't send us if you're not going to go with us. Why? Because what will be the difference between us and any other people? Land and blessings and promise. Lots of people have that. The thing that distinguishes us from them is the presence of God. It's the fact that God is with us. It's the fact that, that, that he, his way is our way. That although he can't be seen, his ways are seen all over how we are. And so that was the distinguishing thing. And it was the, it's an important thing. And Moses understood it. He was saying, please, Lord, don't, don't do it. It's not only Moses who understood it. If you read in Genesis chapter 4, you read about the story of Cain, Cain and Abel, and Cain kills his brother Abel, and he's banished from the presence of God. And there's a bit where Cain is in distress. Don't, don't, don't send me away. Don't send me out of your presence. David has the same experience, doesn't he? After he sins with Bathsheba, there's a moment where he says, please don't cast me not from your presence. Whatever else you do, don't do that. Don't send me away. Don't let me be out on my own. Don't let it be like it's as though God is not with me anymore. Don't do that. Don't do that. There is something about the presence. There is also something that you get even from this passage. You And I just said it. You can be blessed. Yeah, Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. I'll give it to you. God can bless you, but you not have the presence. Yeah? You, God, can be, God himself might be far from you, but you can have lots of blessings. The danger is when you think the blessings is a sign that he's with you. It's not always a sign that he's with you. Yeah? And these people understood it. They got it. Yeah? And as his people today, all these many years later in 2019... We must realise that when, as a people who come together, the people of God, as a people who worship, the thing we need more than anything else, oh my goodness, is his presence. It's the presence of God that we must cultivate, that we must pursue. It's not the blessings, it's not how great it is, it's not how excellent we are, it's the presence because without the presence, nothing is different to us. It's just we're community singing without the presence of God. Lots of people do that. Yeah, I love singing. Yeah? We're not here to community sing. We're here to gather to God as his people. And, and Renedy said it earlier, the promise is that where two or three of my people gather together, I am with them. I am with them. So it's really important that we understand it. There's a psalm, I can't remember which one, but it says, in thy presence is fullness of joy. There is something that happens when you come into the presence of God. And it's not just an experience that you have in a meeting. It's way more than that. It's way more than that. But there are things that stop the presence. I'm going to mention a couple. Then there are things that invite the presence. I'm going to mention a couple of them. And then, you know, we're going to go into worship and we're going to, we're going to come together and expect God to be with us. Yeah, expect God to be with us. Expect God to heal. Expect God to touch. Expect God to save. All those things we can expect, but we don't gather together for those things. 
Yeah? We don't come together for healing. We don't come together for new people. We come together because we're the people of God and we want to experience the presence of God. That's why we come together. So what stops the presence? And again, the, these aren't just things that um, you make up, but you can see them in the scripture. The first thing we know stops the presence is sin. Sin stops the presence. Adam and Eve sinned, and in some ways, um, the sin was a small sin, wasn't it? They, they ate an apple. And you could think to yourself, they ate an apple. What on earth does that mean? What if they had ate, I don't know, a pineapple? What would God have done then? Yeah? They ate an apple, but in, but in eating the apple and exposing themselves to that kind of rebellion, that their rejection of God, they're, they're no longer believing that God's way was enough for them, that they wanted more. God, because he is holy, cannot sit with sin. So he could not... It wasn't that God was about to punish. The natural consequence of bringing sin into the world through eating the apple and rebelling against God was you had to be banished from the presence. You had to go. And and if you think about that story, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve eat the apple, what happens? Immediately they realise, oh my goodness, I'm naked. I didn't realise I was naked. Yeah, They suddenly felt stuff. They felt shame. They had lived and walked with God in the cool of the day, After day, after day, after day, suddenly after eating the apple, what do they do? They hide from God. Yeah? Sin causes you to hide from the presence of God. You see that in the story of Adam and Eve. They hide from God. God had never had to call Adam before. Adam was always there, innocent, just doing his thing. Yeah? Then one day, God's walking around. He's saying, where's Adam? Where is he? Adam. Oh, you know... God knew immediately, immediately God knew something's changed here and it's not that I'm suddenly punishing you. You've done something that has caused you to realise things that mean that you are no longer in my presence. He's banished. Sin banishes us. Now, please don't mishear me because we're all sinners. Yeah, don't mishear me thinking, oh my goodness, we can only be perfect. Now, obviously, we come because of Jesus, but we must understand if you are constantly living in sin, unrepentant sin, you will never experience the presence. Don't, don't be fooled into thinking that if nobody knows, it's okay. He sees everything. He sees everything. So if you want the presence, you need to cultivate a, a life of devotion to God that says, oh Lord, it's about you. Yeah, I know I'm, I'm, I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ, but I don't use that as an excuse to do what I like. I use that as, a, as the means of access to the presence of God. Sin stops us. Secondly, we know idolatry stops us. The golden calf, it made it difficult for them. God says to Moses a little bit later, when he's talking to them about, you know, okay, I'm going to come with you. He tells them, I'm going to come with you. But what he says to them, he says, but you mustn't worship anything other than me. Why? Because my name is Jealous. Yeah? God says, my name is Jealous. I am a Jealous God. We think, oh my goodness, is God Jealous? How can Jealous ever be a good thing? God is Jealous for his own name. Yeah, because, because no one else is worthy of worship except him. No one else, nothing else. 
So if you, as one who knows him, as the chosen people of God, if we worship something other than him, God is jealous of that. Because he knows. There's nothing else that's worthy of worship. Now, obviously, we can't say that. We, for us, that's like a weird thing. If anyone said that, no, I'm not, no one else is worthy of worshiping. You think, oh, just... But for God, that was normal. That was how it is. Idolatry. And that's why when you look at the, the, the Ten Commandments, the first commandment is what? Thou shalt have no other God. Nothing comes before me. Yeah? And often we kind of use that as a headline. You know, God's number one, and then there are all these other things. They're number two, three, four, five, six. No, God, God is it. When it comes to worship, God is it. And so if you are idolatrous, it will stop the presence. You won't be able to enter into his presence with thanksgiving. If, if you're idolatrous, if your heart is drawn to something else, it's not going to be drawn to him. That's why the Bible says things like, seek first the kingdom. Always put him first. Seek first the kingdom. Everything else will be added. Don't worry about everything else. He tells us, don't worry about those things that you worry about because I will add those things if you put me first. God said that from, like, he said that from the very beginning of the Bible to the very, it's always been that way. That's not just a New Testament version. That's not just a chorus. That's the reality. Put him first. So idolatry stops the presence. And as I said, stiff-neckedness. Now, we never use that phrase. I've never, ever called anyone stiff-necked, yeah? Oh, you stiff-necked individual. Yeah, no one's ever called me stiff-necked, yeah? No one's ever done it. I'd be like, wow, that's a new one, yeah? Stiff-necked. But many of us, I included, can be stiff-necked. I can be stubborn and haughty and proud. I can resist God. Yeah, I can resist him. And I can resist him in a very, what seems a very worshipful way. Yeah, when I resist God, it's not necessarily that I'm going, oh, I'm not to believe in. I can just believe other things. But when you are stiff-necked, God will withdraw the presence. He, he can't abide that. He can't abide sin. He can't abide idolatry. He can't abide pride and haughtiness and stubbornness. If you want the presence, you need to keep short accounts in your own life. Yeah? Keep short accounts. Keep short accounts. Get to the point where you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you begin to act. Oh, something, something doesn't feel right. Father, what are you saying here? What are you saying here? Oh, I need to put that right. Oh, I need to stop that. Okay. Yeah. Whatever it takes to keep that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, I would encourage you to do it. Whatever it takes. Because that's the way you can then experience the presence again and again. And he is with you and you know he's with you. So then what invites the presence? Yeah, because actually the, um, when Moses has this dialogue with God and he says, he says to him, you know, it's almost like Moses says, I understand the people, but, but even just, if, if I please you, God, go with us. He makes it personal. It, it, you know, if you are pleased with me, if you're pleased with me, and God says, yeah, I'm pleased with you, Moses. I'll give you my presence. 
I'm pleased with it. So pleasing the Lord helps. Now, please don't misunderstand me. That's not a, that's not a euphemism for legalism. Yeah? And when, when you think about that, think about your relationships. Think about your most meaningful relationships. They don't operate on law. Yeah? Yeah? I don't love Pauline because there is a law that says husbands love your wife. I don't, I don't love her for that reason. Yeah? I don't, I don't love her because someone said, look, have you seen the, the Ten Commandments of a husband? Or I don't, you don't love your children for that reason. You don't love your, your, your brothers and your sisters or your parents. You don't do it for those reasons. Yeah? There's something in you. There's a devotion that comes. Yeah? And, and, so, and so you seek to please them. Well, seek to please the Lord. Seek to live a life that pleases him. And you'll find that his presence will go with you. Yeah? In, a, in a way that's tangible, in a way that you, ex- that you know. Yeah, you know, and, then, and that you become very sensitive to, and you almost become preoccupied with ensuring that I stay in that place of such sensitivity to him, that I'm, I'm walking with him. I'm going with him. Oh God, he says, go here, I'll go here. I remember when we were, as a church, we used to meet in um, St. Martin's uh, School, which is just over that way, um, Tulse Hill, and uh, we'd met there for a while, and we were meeting at the back of the school, and there came a point when we were looking for somewhere, somewhere else and somebody suggested um, going down to the Ritzy in Brixton. And I, um, I went down to Brixton and I'd never, I didn't want to get put the church in Brixton. I wasn't planning to have a church in Brixton uh, for sure. I knew Brixton and I was like, I don't want to go down there really. Um, and I remember going down to Brixton and seeing the Ritzy and thinking to myself, man, this place is too busy and too, I thought it was like too cool for me. I just thought, this is not the place for me. And I realised that I quite liked being hidden. Yeah, I realised, oh, I quite like it where, you know, people don't really know where we are and it's up there. The idea of being here was a bit scary. The moment I went through that process, I knew that that was the reason why we had to move. Yeah, I knew I had to move because I knew I didn't want to move. Yeah, it was kind of an odd thing. I know oh, the moment I realised I quite liked to be hidden, I could justify being up there, was the very reason that I knew, oh, we have to move. And sometimes God does that. You, you think, oh, I don't want to do this. And you think, oh, the very thing I don't want to do is the very thing I need to do in order to keep cultivating the very presence of God in my life. So pleasing the Lord, grace invites the presence you know Moses says at one point he bowed down to the ground and worshipped he said if I've found favour in your eyes then let the Lord go with us although this is a stiff-necked people forgive our wickedness and our sin yeah he's acknowledging oh yeah I get it we're not right we are stiff-necked we are wicked I, I understand it Moses says but forgive us don't let that be the reason that you won't Go with us. And so grace helps us. Understanding that God's acceptance of us despite ourselves. Yeah, so all this thing about the presence, it it all led somewhere. Because in the end, what does God do? His answer to the problem of the presence was to send his son, Jesus. That was the answer. His answer was to go, okay, 
Over here, I cannot abide sin. I have to banish them. I do have to do that. I can't live with this. That's a consequence of their actions. But ultimately, we will, I will have them as my inheritance. And I'll win that through my son. There was a reason. There was a purpose that Jesus came. And I think my simple question to us, because there is something about the people gathering And in the gathering, you're experiencing the presence of God. And I don't just mean an experience or the greatness of the worship. I just mean God's overflow of blessing and grace to us, the healing, all those things. The the living life for him. It's sometimes hard to quantify, but the living life for him. The being open to him, not not being idolatrous, not having two things that you worship, knowing that he's number one. When it comes to worship, that's what we want. Or that's what I want us to want. I want us to want him. And not just here, I, I want you when you're at home alone, as I, when I'm at home alone and I'm praying and worshipping, that even there, there is a sense of his presence, his pleasure, his blessing. And you get to the point where you, so, you get so sensitive that you are, you are doing whatever you need to do to ensure you stay in that place. I don't know whether you're in that place, but I want you to be in that place. I want you, when you come in on a Sunday morning, that you don't come in thinking, is it going to be this, is it going to be that? But you come in thinking, I'm coming into a place where the people of God gather and the presence of God descends. And that we expect that. We look for that. And then we'll have more testimonies of healing. We'll have testimonies of people being saved and added because they've seen in the very gathering of the people of God, something that is unique and different. And it's not just that we're friendly, it's more than that. Something about the presence. And so over the next few weeks, as we look at this, it's not, this is not just a one-off thing, it's not a one-off appeal. Over the next few weeks, as we look at this, it's my prayer, and it's something I'm praying for, that we will, there'll be a shift for us to become a people that become preoccupied with the presence. The presence of God being with us. The presence of God going with you. Yeah? That worship becomes a preoccupation of your life, not just through singing songs, but how, just how you live. You're not being idolatrous. You're not being sinful. You're not being stiff-necked. You're being open. Yeah? We can see how we're to live and how he then comes to us when we do. My question for us today is, do we get it? Do we get it? Do we recognise it? Do we understand that that's really what we gather to? That there was something unique about the people of God coming together. And there's something about what we get when we do that. So we're going to just spend some time worshipping together. And uh, again, in that, I'm, I'm asking for an expectation that we would have that, that, that God's going to meet with us. He's going to meet with me. Don't, don't worry too much about 
oh, but what about this? What about, don't have the what about thoughts, for, just for a moment. Let's have the what if thoughts. What if God were to come? What if I prayed this? What, I began to see answers to prayer, just through meeting, just through coming together. So when we come together, there's an expectation. Oh, we're coming into the presence. We're not just coming to sing some songs. And we want to do whatever we do to help that. And for us on Sundays, it, you know, you kind of need to keep out distractions. And sometimes we're, we get caught up with distractions. And it, I don't know whether it's the phone, the conversations, we're still talking, we're doing things. Uh, I, I get all of that. But if you want the presence, there's, there's got to be a bit where you walk in that door and you think, oh no, I'm, I'm, it's the presence. Anything else is going to distract me. If I don't sort it out there, then I, I mustn't bring it in here. I mustn't bring it in here. Yeah, well, there are lots of things we need to talk about, lots of things we need to do, but there comes a point where you go, no, I've, I've got to come in and get this focus, get myself focused, get us focused so that we enter the presence of God. Because you can't enter the presence of God and send a message and talk to somebody else. You can't, you can't do it. Yeah? You don't multitask this one. Yeah? This isn't a multitasking thing. This is a focus on him. Yeah? And so I'd encourage us when we come together that we come expectant that, oh, we're going to meet with him, but you need to kind of give it focus. Don't come in doing a million things. I, I get it, babe. I, I understand that. Yeah? Sometimes you can't help it. You know, if you've got a baby, you've got a baby. You can't just say, well, baby, off you go. Yeah? No, it's the presence of God. That's what he said. No, just remember Laura's testimony, finding God in every moment. Yeah? So even in the baby thing, oh, yeah, I can experience God through this situation. And you become preoccupied with it. I'd love it. We're preoccupied. No, no, don't talk to me now. Talk to me afterwards. Yeah? Right now, I need to get myself ready because I really want to experience God in worship today. That's kind of where we want to go. That's kind of what we want to do. So we're going to have an opportunity now. I'm going to ask Phil and Renady and Nahu to come up. And so while they're coming up, why don't we stand together? And I'm just going to pray. So why don't we just, uh, just let's stay focused. Let's pray. Father. Father, we do acknowledge uh, this morning that the thing that marks us out as different is your presence. It's the thing that distinguishes us from other groups of people. It's the thing that distinguishes us from people who believe different things. It might even distinguish us from other groups that call themselves churches because we're pursuing and desiring the very presence of God. And we know when we do that, things happen. You speak, you act, you heal, you change our hearts, you melt us. Lord, forgive us if we have been stiff-necked. Forgive us if we have been haughty and proud and stubborn. Forgive us, O God, if we have been idolatrous and pursued something other than you. Forgive us, even in these moments. And if you know that there is something you need to ask for forgiveness for, ask for it. Before you get there, ask for it. 
Forgive us, Lord, where we have sinned, where we have rebelled, where we have left things unresolved, where we've said things we shouldn't, we've watched things we shouldn't. Forgive us, O God. We acknowledge we we can be stiff-necked and proud and sinful, uh, but we ask that you would forgive us. We come, Lord, so desiring to have sensitive, soft hearts to you that we would know your presence, we would experience you. Change us, O God, change us. Draw close to us, we pray. Thank you, Father.